0: to another episode of James Bond and Friends, a weekly, semi-weekly, sometimes daily podcast coming to you from MI6HQ. James Bond is on assignment, so they put me, Paula Atkinson, back in charge of another panel of experts, panel of friends. We've got Ben Williams, we've got James Page, and we've got Kelvin Dyson. Could you introduce yourselves, please?
1: Hi, I'm Ben Williams. I'm a regular contributor to MI6HQ.com and also the magazine MI6 Confidential.
2: Hi, I'm James Page, co-founder of MI6 and MI6 Confidential, and as of today, I am now the only person that's been on every single one of these podcasts, because David's not here.
3: Um, uh, yeah, you know me. <laughs> no, congratulations. <laughs> I, I, were you expecting us to applaud? Ah, <laughs> well, or- I think it's more of an immemorium. So.
0: <laughs> 20 years in Bond and only seven podcasts, James.
3: Yep, yeah. <laughs> got some catching up do. And I'm Calvin Dyson of the very humbly titled Calvin Dyson YouTube page, where I talk about all aspects of uh, the James Bond universe.
0: All right. Thank you, gentlemen. Seeing as there's not much going on today, I thought we could talk about whether David Niven was, in fact, the best James Bond, or whether (laughs) Bond was more into Bambi or Thumper, or whether Dolly wore. Wait, hold on. No. Okay. So we're going to carry on talking about. James Bond 25, the untitled James Bond film from Eon productions. But first, in the grand tradition of podcasting, we have some follow-up because um, David, who was mentioned earlier, threw a, threw a spanner in the works just recently. Naomi Harris talked to some Australians and said, no, she's not going to be shooting on location in uh, Jamaica, but that she can't tell us anything more about that. So what do you guys make of that?
2: Well, it means we're safe from our prediction that Money Penny flies to Jamaica to sit at Ian Fleming's desk and write James Bond a note so thankfully that's not going to happen.
1: <laughs> that's just a shame. I think we did touch on it yes, in, in yesterday's um, podcast, but um, I think essentially we, we all agree that she's just very good at being a, a spokesperson for, for, for Bond, and it made a lot of sense to have her uh, represent also kind of the old guard, returning actors.
2: Taking over from Dame Judy basically
1: yeah
2: yeah it was usually i was gonna say i was gonna say wheeled out in front of the press but that's a little negative
3: (laughs) 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 it was really nice like when they were doing the whole um not panel exactly, but when they had all the cast there for the announcement and everyone was looking sort of awkward and uh, raised eyebrows at some questions and the like, she was just nailing it. She was doing all the laughing, looking like she was genuinely enjoying herself. Uh, She looked to be having a much better time than everyone else. And I think she's just one of those very affable people and it's good that they can send her out to all these things, no matter like whether it's a Lego Announcement or uh, the, like the 007 elements, that. And she's just always a really good presence to have at those things. Uh, she always just comes across so warm and friendly and nice. And she, she looks great on the camera. It, I, I can see why they would want her there specifically out of the MI6 regulars for the press event.
2: I think we should do a spin off Penny and Friends podcast, which is all like everything's happy and joyful and great.
0: As opposed to the jaded <laughs> old James Bond and Friends. <laughs> With all the old men complaining about things, you have to count me out. So, so <laughs> I count myself amongst that as well. I am an old man. I'm a big fan of slippers and ties. I have to say, I think um, she's a she's a fantastic
1: asset to the franchise, and it's more than just being uh, a really good actress. Um, she brings she brings quite a lot more than just
0: her ability do you think public opinion has turned because i i remember in skyfall people a obviously seeing straight through the the, the idea that she wasn't money Penny, but also that her as a field agent was demonstrated to be somewhat i don't want to say incompetent but yeah incompetent but we've now come to settle in <laughs> shooting
1: the hero yeah <laughs> That generally, generally goes down badly.
0: Uh, but we've now come to settle to her and her... Um,
1: I think public opinion has, has changed. I think partly due to the fact that she's been in the films now, uh, obviously. And also, you know, her, her character has kind of um, developed. But also I think it is just the fact that she is so much a positive face of the Bond franchise now, where you've had Daniel be Daniel and occasionally being a little bit, I do deadpan, maybe a bit sour occasionally, um, she's always got that positive spin. So I think it's uh, it's something that the public have really grabbed onto.
3: Yeah, I totally agree. I'm disappointed we didn't get the comedy stylings of Rory Kinnear at the live press event after that <laughs> video emerged after the event where he was just coming up with Tanner's middle name. It was very odd, but uh, I appreciated it. I was struck by
0: that and the pre canned Rami Malek piece to camera, where they both kind of just didn't seem to be given much direction. In fact, probably having not been on yesterday's talkathon, that seemed to be a, a theme of the, the event was that people weren't given much prep time or um, direction in terms of how to conduct themselves in the course of these these things and so Tanner just winging it um Rory Kinnear just winging it struck me as a little bit odd Rami's mock kind of (laughs) his disappointment not to be enjoying the sun and sand like everyone else um I just yeah (laughs) it struck an odd chord with me and it didn't feel as Mark said last time slick or you know like kind of what you'd expect from a a bond marketing campaign
3: Mm. There was a strange lack of cohesion with the whole thing. I know you guys talked about this on the last podcast, but the whole uh, breakfast TV style of the event itself and then those pre-recorded videos that were coming out. There was just a real lack of yeah cohesion between all of it that I was surprised at, I guess. Yeah, I was expecting something a bit slicker, more polished.
1: It did feel very Alan Partridge, <laughs> <wasn't> it? Yeah. <laughs> There were, there were moments where it was quite cringeworthy. And also, you know, when when they go to VT and there's that couple of seconds before, you know, the VT runs and they all look uncomfortable just sitting there waiting for it to run. The
0: montage of everything, uh, everything whiz-bang-go-bang, smash-bang, Daniel Craig looking fit and handsome and everything, it, it, that's mm. what's carrying all of the goodwill in that event.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, th- I felt that Malik did his piece almost in character, which was just, like, I I said it yesterday, I I felt really unsettled by it.
3: (laughs) He's an odd one. I I don't know much about his, like, off-screen persona. Like, I've seen, obviously, that video and then the strange thing that he did, what were his favourite things about an airline or something like that, which was doing the the rounds which is very odd uh but i've I've been aware of him for the longest time because he just has that very recognizable face and i still remember him from being like on 24 and so i have been aware of him for the longest time but i've just never sort of gotten to know what he's like off camera and he just seems very very creepy which is suitable i suppose for the role of a villain yeah he definitely
1: he definitely has a very weird creepy vibe about him. I'm sure he's a lovely person if you are listening <laughs> <laughs> um but there was there was just the fact that he kind of it did feel more as if he was kind of speaking as as the character in the way.
3: maybe he's just really method and he's already like assumed that persona. It reminded me of Barbara back when she had to do all of the
2: press interviews with the accent.
1: she is. <laughs> Shit, she is creepy, that's true no, sorry.
2: But it's just like <laughs> She never did any press out of character mm. As herself It was always in character Which is the strangest <laughs> thing
3: I mean, it, it worked for me. It was only like very recently that I was like, "Oh God, she's American." I would never right. have uh, yeah, thought that. I just always assumed she was Russian because her Russian accent's so
1: good.
0: Is that what you saying?
3: <laughs> yeah, well, it's, I thought she was Scottish. It's very, very
0: convincing Russian accent. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fish. I yeah. think we might have just sort of stumbled upon what I was hoping to be our first topic, so I might as well introduce it for you. We were given a very brief synopsis of the of the plot. And that was something that the gang mm. yesterday didn't get to talk too much about. So having had Bond leave active service and enjoying a tranquil life in Jamaica, his pieces is short-lived – when an old friend, Felix Leiter from the CIA, turns up for asking for help, All right, here's a dramatic reading now, the mission to rescue a kidnapped scientist turns out to be far more treacherous than expected, leading Bond onto a trail of, of a mysterious villain armed with dangerous new technology. We're assuming, because mm. Rami's made you know no bones about it, that he's going to be the villain and he's going to be wielding a new dangerous technology, I thought the opportunity to reflect on how many, just how many tech villains are we going to have in the Craig era? I think
1: he's, I think he's a tech villain. Isn't that that what he is as a tech villain? I knew that. I knew that Mm. going
0: in. I knew that going in. How do we, how do we think he's going to pull something off that's not Zoran, that's not silver. And again, avoid the sort of the stigma of Mr. Robot.
2: I would, I would argue that Dr. No was the first tech villain. Tech no
1: villain.
3: There you go. (laughs)
1: yeah there you go. that's very why good. i'm on these things that's why i'm on these things guys <laughs> we do we we have a glut of tech villains but then it's kind of bond is always trying to be one step ahead of uh what's what's happening in the world and we are living in a very technological age it, it can't and be so- it can't be
2: computers or the internet <laughs> it just can't it's got to be something else
1: It's going
2: to be the latest Sony laptop. Well, Calvin, you might appreciate this. One of the tweets I saw when they were doing the live announcement in the comments on YouTube was, this sounds like the plot of Everything or Nothing. (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah i'd be down with that i'm curious to know what yeah what kind of technology this is going to be i'm hoping it's something space related but i don't think it will be i i, I don't know if he'll be much different from someone like zorin actually i i think he is going to be that kind of charismatic industrialist uh i i think he probably is going to be an elon musk type who's pioneering some kind of new gadget or solex agitator type Nanotech. renewable energy device um but then he'll have some kind of nefarious plans behind it and i'm okay with that
2: so you're not expecting to see platinum tanks going through
3: i, I mean that that would be my ideal uh, scenario but uh if, if i don't get that i'll i'll be all right some kind of invisible suit would be uh, <laughs> another possibility. I was just going to say
1: that, that the Elon Musk thing is very interesting because he has he has done some pretty out there things, drilling deep, deep holes uh, for, for, to, to harness uh, the flamethrower thing. It would make sort of sense to have a... And actually, if we're going to talk about what you could potentially do, I suppose something like the singularity, which is where... Um, AI would would take over um is an interesting kind of aspect mm. uh, that's that's supposed to happen in our lifetimes, gentlemen. Skynet.
3: Um, <clears throat> Skynet. <sighs> Will he hack into the electric Aston Martin? Make it some kind of driverless drone.
1: Yeah, wouldn't that be tragic? <laughs> I'd be I'd be quite I'd be quite interested to see that direction because mm. he's he's clearly he's a younger guy is not physically a match for for daniel craig um and so it it would always be the 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 kind of the the intellectual villain i suppose Mm.
2: Mm. and the bond series over the years does have a habit of kind of like pastiching real world figures to turn them into villains Mm. right i mean the most i think the most openly referenced one is rupert murdoch and Elliot Carver. Yeah. Right. Not Rupert Murdoch, mm-hmm. um, the mirror guy, but same kind of thing, the newspaper baron, right? Um. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: And then, you know, WikiLeaks was the whole angle on Skyfall, right? The release of information and that kind of stuff. So mm. it wouldn't be the it would be far from the first time that they've taken a, a well known, popular, not leader, but somebody prominent in the world and say, ah, this is what their villainous version would look like. <laughs>
3: And I'd be totally cool with that. Like, I'm really excited at the idea of, uh, yeah, an Elon Musk kind of villain. So long as they can avoid the whole idea that Bond is this old, you know, practical relic going up against this, you know, dangerous, um, high tech villain. That's well, Johnny, Johnny English Strikes Again. Well, I did see that recently, so that was very much in my mind. And I know that with the Craig era, they do like to play up, that obviously Skyfall being the most notable example, that he's this bygone relic of the past. Uh, but I don't think that James Bond, James Bond has usually kept up with the new tech, whether it's his, you know, fancy cappuccino machine or, uh, you know, having a, a, the latest phone or gadget or whatever.
1: Maybe that is the new tech, Calvin. Maybe that's the new tech that they're going uh, Do- Dr. Is, Keurig. Uh, <laughs> the, late, the latest uh, cappuccino machine.
2: Yeah, it's, doc- ah. <laughs> it's, it's Dr. Keurig and all the little pods will take over the world.
1: But yeah, no, I, I think that that would be a, an interesting play. But Calvin, I honestly, what you're saying, I think, it's, it's in inevitability. That's always what they they step back to. Um, mm. It's all, it's always Bond being the practical kind. Of, and, you, and it has to be a foil. If you can't have you know he needs to be the opposite to, to that in order for for that to kind of work it does make him feel a little bit boring really i suppose it's the, the best way i can say it, it, it dates bond um in that world
3: mm, mm. No, no no that's that's very true when you look at the the you know the the film series in its entirety it is often technology that would save roger moore from a certain situation or whatever and uh Whereas now we're in an era where it's like, oh, no, it's your father's old hunting knife is all that you need to take down the the villain. You don't need any of those fancy computers and all that kind of stuff. And I don't know if that's just more of a comment on the era that we're living in, um, where it's seen as like, you know, it's quite trendy, really, to uh, reject all those kind of high tech Gadgets that we all carry around in our pockets all the time. So, um, well, maybe we we'll put it down yeah. to the fact that uh, Roger
0: Moore didn't really want to run on television, or
3: <laughs> well, there is that, they are doubles.
1: Well, I think the other thing, too, is if you look at all of all of the tech that Bond is given, particularly in something like Tomorrow Never Dies, it's his adaptability to that tech, it, he never actually uses it for its purpose, he can't, mm, right. Um, finds another solution to, to how to use this. Just
2: give me an idea, Ben. If you look at the Brosnan era, it's turning the, the villain's tech against the villain, right? So GoldenEye, yeah. you know, low-tech solution. stick a metal rod in the gearing of the satellite mm-hmm. receiver, and that crushes Sean Bean, right? Tomorrow mm-hmm. Never Dies, he uses the sea drill against Carver, his own tech against him. Um, World's Not Enough, Renard gets the rod through him, right? So that was his own stuff used against him. Dino of the Day, the electrocution suit, and throws him out the plane. We haven't we haven't seen that so much in the Craig era. Mm.
1: What would you What would you guys say is the that's the hallmark of of Brosnan's era is using tech against using villains tech against him? Does Does Craig have kind of a, a U.S.P. in that sense? Is it that-
3: luck? <laughs> <laughs> Most of the people coming in and killing the villains for him, right? Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, luck's a pretty handy uh, gadget to have in your
0: arsenal. If you've been doing the same job for forty years, you're probably you're probably trading on, <laughs> on more than your fair share, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, to come back to the the observation that Malik's probably not a a physical match for Bond, they've cast a bunch of other people that potentially are. Have they?
2: Maybe the the point that other people are making is there's probably some other casting that's still to be announced, mm. or may not be announced. They might just try and keep it on the down low. I know Dave Batista wants to come back and everybody's you know, that that could be doable. And there was the tweet from Scott Z Burns' pseudo agent at Playlist saying that he'll be back for a Blowfeld role of some description. But there isn't the traditional muscle, right? That we used to see. No, not not somebody But then but then but then Elvis in Quantum Solus wasn't exactly muscle, was he? So Yeah
3: and in Skyfall I don't really know if we had much in the no, way of muscle. Just had,
2: you know, generic grunts in military yeah. combat gear.
3: In honour of Mark not
0: being here today, I'll just uh, talk about Star Wars again, yeah. where, their, where their lovely trailer had the <laughs> – they dropped the, the biggest spoiler bomb at the end of it with the Emperor laughing, right? Could uh, – do we think do we think, uh, Eon's got it in them to hold Blofeld back from us until we actually end up
3: in the cinema? I don't know if it would have the same kind of reaction. I still remember being in the cinema when Spectre was on the opening night of Spectre and uh, when he did his whole like, oh, you know, the man in front of you is Ernst Stavro Blofeld. And there was just sort of a murmur of like, huh, what? Huh? in the audience. I don't know if Blofeld has the same cachet with audiences that the likes of the Emperor does. I'm just Star more Wars. thinking
0: of is it, a, is it a case that we're going to be able to go into the cinema and be genuinely surprised by some of the casting or some of the choices? We won't be genuinely
1: surprised by it. When was the last time you were genuinely surprised by anything that Eon did? Um, they, uh, Sorry, that's a really horrible thing to say. But it, it tends to be that they'll go, oh, that's not money, Penny oh, that's not Blofeld. And you kind of go, oh, come on, guys. Well,
2: the most ridiculous one was Ben Whishaw is sure not paying cue. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Why lie? It just seems, but it does seem that they, they they try and do this.
2: And then they go and put Mr. White in the trailer for Spectre. Like, why do that? Yeah. That, that could have been mm. something they could have easily kept yeah. quiet because it was all filmed at Pinewood all of Jesper Christian's scenes were not on location, so it could have been really easy to keep that completely on the down low that Mr. White was back and that Swan was his daughter. They could have kept that as the reveal for the film. It would have been nice. But they didn't. Yeah, no, it would, have been,
1: it would have been a really nice moment for the fans, I think. You know, you'd have gone, oh. Well, what's... I feel like
0: Mr. White was probably yeah. woefully underused and had a lot more menace and mystery about him than Blofeld did, but I've banged that drum already. Yeah, really, and,
1: and they're kind, agree. kind of – they kind of threw him away, which is, which is kind of disappointing. And he went from being a kind of shadowy fixer to just like a, a paid assassin. And that I don't, ever felt, I don't really think that that worked.
0: In terms of the, the possible muscle, Dali Bansala and David Dinick both got name checked. In terms of pure speculation, would you like to see either of them? How would you like to see those actors used in the film?
2: Based on the rest of the cast, sparingly. Because yeah. I think the more screen time we can give to the rest of the cast, the better, because the rest of the cast that they announced was great. And I don't know these mm. – uh, sorry, guys, I don't know who you are <laughs> or what you've done in the past. I know that I think David Densick was in the man, uh, the, the tattoo movie with Craig, right? That's – you know, I didn't, I didn't remember that. I found that out later, so I don't think they had much screen presence. But you never know. Eon has this habit of picking these relatively unknown people out of the ether and then all of a sudden they turn in this – perfect performance for the character and they become iconic but you know it's worked just like Elvis well and then
3: sometimes it doesn't work
2: right like um, (laughs) Anatole
3: But that's something I'm finding quite exciting, like that they did list all these names and I hadn't heard of any of them before and had to Google them afterwards. And I liked that they didn't give away much about their characters. It's going to be quite interesting because when you normally hear of the cast of a Bond film, you can sort of like put them in that on that exact peg and it's like, right, yep, Dave Bautista is going to be the odd job-like henchman and whatever. And looking at this cast, it's like, oh, wow, any of them could be, you know, the, the scientist that Bond is, you know... Uh, Asked for his help in rescuing, or anything could be a henchman, or the Bond Girl, or or a CIA colleague of Felix. And I'm I'm quite excited by that. I
1: I'd agree, Calvin. I, you know, I looked at that lineup and I just went, "Who is? Who are these people? Who are they going to be playing?" Mm. Um, and it and it raised a lot of questions and it got you got you thinking. And I and I quite like that rather than just feeling like, "Yeah, I know who that's going to be." And and it allows their performance to be, probably.
3: Be a bit more interesting as well. Hmm. Yeah. No, I, I think back to Spectre when that cast was announced, and the only role that was kind of oh, I d I don't really know what that's gonna what what's gonna come of that was for me anyway, Monica Bellucci. Like she was right. the only right. particular member of the cast where it's like, oh she could be a villain, she right. could be, and then the role ended up being like ten minutes in the in the film. She was the first Bond girl and she did a very good job in it. But... They used
0: her very well, didn't they? If by well you mean sparingly. <laughs>
1: That, that was,
3: in case you weren't sure, heavy sarcasm. Uh, right. I mean, I was going to say, I thought she did a good performance and everything, but yeah, no, I would have liked to have seen her uh, in it more for sure. But yeah, so so now I look at the cast, I'm like, oh, wow, no, this whole bunch of um, supporting characters and even Leia Sadu coming back. Like, I, I, you know, I'm sure we'll talk more about whether or not she'll be bumped off in the opening credits or whatever but uh yeah I'm, I'm just excited um and i i hope that i can sort of make it through at least a couple of the trailers and retain some element of surprise for when i'm actually in the cinema but we'll see
2: my money's on billy magnuson's abaddon
3: <laughs> i think
2: he's gonna be felix's buddy and he's gonna screw felix over
0: uh... oh i don't want to watch that Equal rights, Ben. Equal rights. <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen
2: anything that I haven't seen anything. This, Lish, um, Lashana Lynch has been in, but she I think is going to be the MI6 agent that kind of shadows Bond around or Bond shadows around in the film based on what
0: we know of the, of the mm. character as a Brit as well. She made a thing about her, um, her heritage, right? Mm. So if, if part of the film is set in Jamaica, and then she might be the,
2: the man on the ground. I think that was just PR, part of the fluff piece. I don't think that's anything... When are it. we going to
1: get Carter back? That's what I want to know. <laughs> I, I, I think he was woefully underused, and I'd like to see him back.
3: He was confirmed as deceased, wasn't he? It was in one of the games where they said that, yeah, oh, yeah, he died. Oh, the games aren't canon. <laughs> well, you mean that 007 Legends, where Craig uh, has hallucinations back to uh, battling Goldfinger and Drax isn't canon? <laughs> that so sort of brings to mind one of those Thunderbirds
0: flashback episodes.
2: <laughs> right, they, yeah, when they run out of budget. Um, the, the other character, Ben, uh, to go with Carter is you know, Villiers, played by um, Tobias Menzies and mm-hmm. Casino Real. Mm. He disappeared. I yeah. remember reading an interview with him around Quantum of being in production, and he said, oh, no, no, I'll never be back. Mm. So something, I think something happened that he knew that he...
3: He is doing the because I'm going to the Secret Cinema uh, Casino Royale in London, and when you watch the, when you're doing your signing up thing and... Um, It's assigning you a role and everything. He does, like, the actor comes back to do this little piece as Villiers, uh, like your mission brief for the evening. Right. That was a very nice surprise. I was like, this can't be new. Oh, wow, it is. Yeah, they they got him back to do it. I was uh, quite surprised and pleased with that. Yeah, I think oh.
2: when they cast Rory Kinnear as Tanner, he was kind of pushed out, right? Of the space. Yeah. But, yeah. But yeah, it was just odd. His his interview was odd that I read when he was just like, oh, yeah, that's never going to happen. I'm like, um that was clearly a story there.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, there's obviously something going on there, but it's a shame because I, I, I like Tobias Menzies. I think he's a, he's a very good actor.
2: All right, I just found the quote on our own website because you know, sad news for all Villiers fans. He is no more. Casino Royale was his first and last stand. May he rest in peace.
0: No. All right, so we saw, we saw a good amount of Jamaica. I just wanted to know what you, what role you think it's going to play in the in the story. Are we going to get a, a full act, act there? Is it going to be the first sort of third of the story? Does it just so happen, you know, in quotes, just so happen that Felix is looking into something in Jamaica and runs into Bond? Or does he jump on a direct flight to uh, to convince him to come back, a la Mathis and Quantum? What do you think,
3: Well, assuming that we pick up with Bond in Jamaica and he's, you know, not on service anymore and all that kind of stuff. I'm assuming that the pre-credit sequence is going to be there, which would imply that there's going to be some action there. Uh, No, the
2: pre-credits is in Italy with the car. Oh really? <laughs> oh, okay. The, well, the car uh, chase of Madeline is the, and I was
3: just going to refer you to live and let die.
2: <laughs>
3: um, uh, oh, just, oh, so Bond might not even
2: be in the pre-credits sequence. Oh no, the pre-credits is in Italy, unless they change the script in the last four weeks. Is the, is the matter of car chase is the pre-credits and then, you know, titles and then, and then the film opens in the film proper opens in Jamaica. That, uh, that was okay. based on the beat sheets we saw.
1: I just don't yeah. like PTSs that don't include Bond in them. I'm, I find them; they're not my favourites, put it that way. Um, I just think any any action sequence in a Bond film should really include Bond in them. That's just my.
3: Mm. I know. I agree with that. I'm trying to think of when the last one was without Bond, but would that be Live and Let Die? Was that the, the, the last gun gun. one? Ah, uh, yeah, of course. Um, yeah, I think it'd be brave to start Craig's final Bond film without him in the pre-credits se- uh, sequence doing something. Well, really- potentially
0: you could see the title card six years later or whatever the hell happens when True. You know, he could still True. be. True, We'll cut to James. And of
1: course he's with a lady.
2: We'll, we'll um. know how much, we'll, <laughs> we'll know how much Jamaica is in the film based on when they leave. Right. Mm. So if they're there for a couple of weeks, it isn't going to be a big part of the film. And it's just going to, after the pre-credit sequence open like X amount of time later, and it opens to Bond and Madeline and Jamaica. And then, and then to your point, Paul, it's like, then is it, is it, Felix is in Jamaica trying to find this missing scientist guy, or is it him going there to recruit Bond to help him out? Right. I,
1: I think, it, judging by what they've they've uh, given us in their little preamble, um, it does feel like it's going to be more like he's he's literally finding Bond to uh, help him out on this to bring him mm. out of retirement. That, that would just be a nod back to uh, to Doctor No. But I think what we're just going to do is just find him. They're sipping a Heineken, um, and
2: that's right.
1: Yeah, our like Skyfall. We're going to get, and Jeffrey's going to emerge from the water. And
2: um, <laughs> thank and it's be a thank you gift basket for sending in
1: Monica <laughs> Belucci. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Well,
3: did they didn't make a point of uh, showcasing that particular set at the end of the live stream yesterday. Uh. Well, it, was, it wasn't completed, but I guess they're building Bond's villa. Uh, and, and I maybe I'm reading too much into it, but if they make that bigger point of it, then I'm guessing it's got more to do in the story than just Bond is there and then Felix comes and takes him away for the rest of the film. I'm assuming there's going to be some kind of action sequence there. They or built a house something. in Norway
0: yeah. to shoot for four days or something like that. So it's not, it's not totally off the cards.
2: Mm, true yeah i like i like mike mark's idea that they they built this for the film but they'll probably keep it up there and it'll be a it'll mm. be a thing you know an eon thing that they have that house in Jamaica. yeah and then
1: you can go into an elements yeah. thing in um
0: Jamaica.
1: Yep. yeah go visit that, that would make sense
0: hmm. littering the world with bond locations
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would, I mean, it, there, is a, there is a precedent for it, so like, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, they built James
0: Bond Island, don't you know?
2: Because yeah. <laughs> we kind of know how, you know, what they're planning for the pre credits and opening in Jamaica and stuff. That's Italy and Jamaica knocked out by the end of the first mm. act. Hmm. And they haven't announced, well, Norway. Is it for sure a flashback? Did everybody just assume it was a flashback? It seems that everybody was just assuming it was a flashback. But that's the locations then done, right? So, you know, they said they're filming in London and at Pinewood, which Mm. was telling because Mm. that means that, I mean, yeah, you probably use Whitehall again, right, and stuff just for out and about. But maybe there's other locations in London that, because, you know, it worked really well in Skyfall, didn't it? And it's cheaper if you're down the road in Pinewood to shoot in London. Mm. And... it's not London, apart from Skyfall, really hasn't been, and the world is not enough opening, hasn't really been used as a location much. Mm. It'd be, it's a bit too close to Skyfall, I think, to base two acts of the film there.
1: I mean, I like seeing Bond set off from London, so to speak. He is a uh, MI6 um, operative. He's not um, MI5. He's not, he's not supposed to really be operating on British soil. Probably a point that people would just go shut up, Ben. But I, I just I, I prefer it when we get him out into the world and we see mm-hmm. things that we haven't seen before.
3: Yeah, especially with Spectre going back to London for its like fourth act. Can't imagine they'll use it that much. Uh, and I like how you, you threw want. fourth
2: act in there. One X, like X too many
3: is what back. you're saying.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I could understand why they would do it. We're we're speculating on Norway being a flashback. We don't know how much is going to be shot there, um, um, but yeah, I, I I don't know. We might see a sizable chunk of the film there.
0: All indoors, I mean, naturally. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, just just some establishing helicopter shots, and then you know a couple of a couple of uh, potted plants.
2: Well, we really, we really haven't heard any other rumors of any other locations. Because locations, I think, out of all the things that they have to do in pre-production, it's the easiest for the public to find out about. Because there's all the government negotiations and the taxes and all this stuff gets out, right? When they're thinking of shooting somewhere, Italy and Norway and Jamaica—that—that that, that's it, right?
1: Yeah, there yeah.
2: really hasn't been anything else.
1: Well, you don't—it doesn't have to be this mammoth uh, globe trotting thing i mean you know you you can you can keep it down to those locations but i, th- I think as you say james you know if, if you've done and dusted italy in the pre-title sequence that does essentially give us not a great deal to work with uh, for the next three slash four acts
2: yeah and Kirby Broccoli always said you know don't go back to the same place twice in the film like keep on moving forwards, mm. meaning not necessarily like countries, but actual physical locations too, like buildings and stuff. So you always just keep going to something new, something new, something new, which they've kind of broken in recent films, that rule a little bit. Um, so I wouldn't, you know, matter as the pre-titled cast sequence, I wouldn't expect them to be going back to Italy for something else later in the film, right?
1: Yeah. Just can't mm. see it happening. No, I, I, I think you're probably right.
2: Or a chunk of the film is based in the States, but it's interiors at Pinewood and establishing shots.
1: That could that could easily be the case, especially considering we're, we're talking about um, Matt's character being kind of an Elon, an Elon. Elon Musk. It would make sense that he would be. You know. The
0: US other face. thing that sort of nixes a lot of London in my mind is the fact that it's Felix coming to get Bond, and so why would Felix come to get Bond about a domestic issue in Britain? (laughs) Surely, you know, Mm. it's going to be.
2: Well, that, but the female character is the MI6 agent that Bond has to either go back and help out or shadow or whatever. So, you know, that's going to drag him back to London, isn't it?
1: Is there there an progress file vibe to the missing scientist thing? Is that just me? Because that's, I immediately went there. No, that's
0: perfectly A logical jump to conclusions. Um,
1: We could have Carter back again, and then it would be get Carter. (laughs) (laughs) He could be the missing scientist. I I would go with that. (laughs) Um, I I would imagine, if lots of ifs in a a line here, but if Malik is playing a US-based technology giant, it makes sense that that, um, maybe this person is kind of escaping or defecting away from you know knowing that they've created this piece of technology and they're trying to get away um before it you know knowing that he's he's not he's going to use it for nefarious means um so that i mean that sort of makes sense to me and that's why you would have felix come to to bond i think
0: hmm coming back to the casting then maybe somebody is a whistleblower somebody who used to be on the inside at the villains organization
1: yeah that, that that makes sense to me you know you have you, you basically have somebody goes um i see what they're trying to do here i don't want to be a part of that mm. um and um i'm a i'm a key element of that and if i take myself out of the equation i can prevent that from from happening
0: Just to wrap up the locations conversation, James or anyone else, do you think that we are going to get another location? Is another shoe going to drop in the next, you know, month or two?
2: No, no. I think it's going to be – if there's another location, it's going to be a splinter splinter unit going to do establishing shots, green screen and sets. You know, Craig didn't go to Shanghai, right, in Skyfall. Uh, He didn't go to Miami in Casino Royale, Mm. right?
0: so oh norway and it could be it's probably
2: oh, norway 125 so i think it's gonna be one of those where you know Ala moonraker where they come up with this conceit that they move a french chateau to california but film it in france right <laughs> and they have one shot of lax i think don't they in that film as they're we we're we're in california no you're not you're in france right but so you know tech technology filmmaking has moved a long way since then they don't really need to actually have principal cast at these locations unless it's an action sequence or something that involves the geography right so Mm -hmm. Hmm. we'll we'll find out more when the the full plot synopsis comes out or the trailer or the
0: film
1: (laughs) after the film we'll be able to to really know But what the, the, other, the other thing
2: to factor into this is uh, when Sony, obviously the Sony leaks came out, everybody found out that Sony were battling to get the budget of Spectre cut back because Sam was blowing it up with, you know, going to Italy to shoot one scene with Monica Bellucci in a villa and all the rest of the stuff. It was just that money was no object. Given that Sony was out for this film and they financed it through, you know, teetering on bankruptcy MGM, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of this is set based and the locations are kind of limited to keep the budget mm. to keep the budget down, plus Craig's on a fair chunk of change on this one, right? Mm-hmm. Twenty five mil of the budget's probably out just on that. So, mm. yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it's scaled back in terms of sending the actual principal cast out into locations. And it's not going to be like a Roger Moore epic where they hit like three continents and six capital cities in the movie.
1: There is a precedent for it over the last couple of films where they have where they have. Very successfully put principal cast into into these locations. Um, you know the the Shanghai sequence is, is a very good uh, is a very good example of that. I think where where you don't really feel like um, apart from the fact that the, you know the building is very recognisably uh, London um, if you live in London, but if you don't, it, it just feels very much like um, yeah, he's really there. I walk past that building every day, by the way, just <laughs> – so. You
2: check in on the security guard, make sure he's all right.
1: I do, yeah, just make sure he's all right. Yeah. I put my gloves on, then I take them off again.
0: I guess the, the last piece of the puzzle in terms of the the meager plot synopsis that we've been handed is, well, James Bond always needs a MacGuffin, and so maybe that's the, uh, maybe that's the kidnapped scientist at this stage. But a few questions that came to mind was, is Bond going to be involved in this – treacherous mission or is it going to happen off screen how important is that actually or is that just going to be the setup
2: i just hope it's not a rogue mi6 agent or something or internal conflict again it would be nice if everybody on the british side of the house was all pointing in the same direction for a change
1: (laughs) i think it's going to be a list of agents embedded uh, in (laughs) terrorist agencies uh, throughout the world
0: I thought you were going to say it in a microchip in somebody's brain. <laughs> Q Tech villain. Q Harry Palmer. All right, maybe we should make the Harry Palmer theme the, uh, the theme tune for this episode, James, if we're going to go. <laughs> if we can start mixing it up, you know, unauthorized theme tunes.
1: Yeah, well, I think, uh, I think as I said before, I think it's going to be the scientist. I think that's going to be a, a McGuffin.
3: Yeah, know. and I'm I'm assuming that that will be the first instigator and then he'll go on a journey to try and find that person and then, you know, that will lead to a greater discovery that, oh, there's a bigger, more nefarious thing happening than we ever dreamed of and that will presumably lead to Rami Malek, uh, I'm guessing. Mm.
1: They do tend to do this um, with Craig's films. It's it's always this leads to this, mm. this, this. Casino Royale and quantum of Solace, in terms of kind of beats that's how they, they mm. lay it out it's one one clue leads to another clue leads to another and they, and they you know that although the two are very different films um structurally they're not right. that far apart
0: I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing James Bond do some detective work for a change, mm. as opposed to you know being pushed in a direction by his sort of forces outside of his control. It would be nice if he was he had some agency. Mm.
1: I, I I'd argue that he he was, uh, he did a lot of that in um, Casino Royale. I think he um you know he he did put some some clues together. He did um, he did actually do some detecting in that first first film. I think that was a, a good mm. example of that.
0: Sure, that was uh, more than ten years ago now, <laughs> oh.
3: <laughs> but it lives on in our memories. <laughs> it's always when I rewatch that film and I see the phones that they're using because yeah. in my in my memory it's like, oh yeah, that was a relatively recent one, and then whenever they get out the Sony Ericssons, I'm like, oh god, it's really and, uh, not that. The recent. Blu-rays
2: and jewel cases and all yeah. sorts of
3: yes. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I used to have a a, Malacca phone. It was good. It was good to me.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I had the one, whatever it was that he had in Quantum of Solace, I had that one, I think.
0: James Bond is always a product of its time, in a sense, and we were talking about that earlier with, um, you know, picking up from public personalities or things in the news or something like that. Mm. But you think of them as, in my mind, I think of them as timeless, but in fact, they're actually like fundamentally products of the era cast your mind back to like spectre and Smirch and this kind of stuff that they they are playing off the off the the fears of a generation which is why it's also a
2: rash Mm -hmm. of screenplays being written based in the 70s and 80s because it it solves a lot of storytelling problems when you don't have cell phones Mm
3: mm-hmm yep yeah it's funny that i I think that the most timeless films in a weird way are those early connery ones, and I know that they are very much products of the sixties but there's a certain classiness about them there's a certain it it feels sort of detached from the real world in a lot of ways that i I don't feel like a lot of the ones that come afterwards are they are very much set in that time and uh love to focus on the technology of that time
1: I think that's very very true calvin one of the things I love about the early uh Connery movies is that they, they never pretended really to be
2: mm. realism.
1: It was sort of this hyper-realism hyper of Bond's Bond's universe that yeah. he existed in. Whereas the, the, the more recent um, Craig films uh, definitely seem to try to be, at least, um, rooted in our existing world, albeit a little bit more polished and a little bit yeah. more exotic. Um, but they aren't the uh, flights of fantasy that you really got with, you know, a hollowed out
0: volcano. Well, actually I think maybe one of the things that I like most about the Connery films as a, as a set is that they capture the essence of the locations that they go to. Like I have a, I almost feel nostalgia or the warmth of Jamaica and the coolness of, of Istanbul, you know, like being in those locations, being like really present in them and letting the location be part of the story and part of the character some of the latter films they do hit too many locations in one go, and maybe maybe we need, just need to let each location breathe and give a, an experience. You know, that hmm. I mean, I, I always come back to that warmth of Jamaica and Dr. No, it feels so real and honest. And,
2: and well, it also helped that the vast majority of the film was set there and they didn't hop around, right. Hmm. Mm. you actually got some spend some time there whereas especially in the roger era it was just got off the plane change the suit do something get on the next plane i mean you didn't really get much time to spend in any of the locations at all all
0: right well maybe we'll move on the last substantive topic that i have in the in the notes before we move on to some questions was titled are there any wait a moment moments so having slept on the press conference or the not press conference as the case may be what jumped out to you is the most important or curious pieces of information we got, or um, what's your takeaway moment or point from that particular uh, from that particular event?
3: I, I guess the plot synopsis for me, and even then that was sort of ushered out afterwards, really, I felt like that was the juiciest bit of information, along with, I guess, uh, the news that Felix is going to be coming back. That's what I've probably got most excited about. I don't think you're alone there.
0: I think uh, the panels have passed. Are all we're all keen for to see Felix come back?
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't share the same Felix love that everyone seems to have. I always feel like he just always looks like he's sucking on a bee. Um, you know, he's uh, I growing up with the, the, the books and and also just uh, the the early incarnations of uh, Felix in, in other films. He. Always seem to be a bit more—I don't want to say hmm. jovial—but and and it's it's Wright's betrayal and that's that's his take on the character, and that's fine to my mind. Um, I didn't miss him greatly in Inspector. Um, I, I found a name check was enough. I I don't buy into a sense of camaraderie between hmm. the two of them. It, the best, the most we've had really is them sitting in that bar. And that was, you know, quite. there was quite a few barbs being slung in that as well. So, I, and and Wright does, despite his loyalty towards James, the fact that he helps him out quite a bit, he, he does always seem to just be quite mm. sour. And so, from from my perspective, it's not. Oh, great! We're getting a we're getting a miserable person coming <laughs> back. That's really going to be. It's going to really. Is that that some energy?
3: I'm I'm hoping that he's going to sort of lighten up a bit. And I I think uh, his sourness in those two films is probably a testament to the era that they were made and just the general sourness of... uh, tone, like, you know, we're not going to have gadgets, we're not going to do jokes anymore, all that kind of thing. I I agree that there is a lack of camaraderie between them in those films, and especially um, because I'm reading through the books at the moment, and uh, you really get a sense of them as proper buddies and pals, like, throughout those adventures, and certainly don't get that between Craig and Wright, so I don't know if when they meet up at the start of this film, presumably at the start, uh, we're going to just assume that they've had many previous adventures together and they're going to be all buddy buddy with each other but I, I i think they could achieve that i think wright's a great actor uh and i think he could certainly do it if the part's written that way
2: i think it would have been harder to do that without the little call to an inspector saying it doesn't bond yes. call me his friend like he's a friend you can call and, yeah you know for james bond like, who doesn't have yeah. any friends so i think that alludes mm-hmm. to the fact that they had a relationship post column before we see it inspector Mm. Like between, mm. but in the Michael G. Wilson series of movies, as we talked about in a previous
0: podcast, <laughs> the <laughs> alternate films. Um. Well, the thing is that I think in the Fleming books, you get you get Felix in extended c- character roles, like he gets to go on a massive road trip with James Bond across America mm. or something like that. And we haven't seen that yet. So if we're assuming that happened off screen, then it would be all right if if the relationship changes.
1: I don't even think you need to. You need to have him spend a huge amount of time with him. It's just so um, Calvin was saying he's just re- reread the, the the novels, and I I've also happened to have done it hmm. myself recently. And specifically in regard to uh, to, to studying Felix, but oddly it just happened to be a writing oh. assignment that I had. Their relationships, particularly uh, in uh, *Live and Let Die*, where you know. He's he's just a much more happy go lucky kind of guy. He's lost an arm and a leg, but he's kind of still, you know, a good a good, good, good dude. Um, diamonds are forever. I'm thinking of when mm. he meets him in New York, and they they, mm. they go out to lunch, and Bond's in a bathroom um, at the restaurant, and he's just kind of reflecting on on his relationship with with Felix, and it's um it's a nice moment where you really get a sense of. How much Bond respects and likes him as as a, mm. as a human being? I don't feel that connection uh, with, um, with with Jeffrey Wright's uh, No, I, lighter.
0: I, but, I agree that they haven't had the opportunity to to like manage that relationship in a way that that is sort of fulfilling. But I'm hoping that that comes to pass in this film. Mm. Coming
1: back to the original question, though, um, what why what did I take away from from the the press conference and um the little blurb i can't help and i have felt this uh, for for a little while even i think even at the end of um spectre i kind of went oh well i know i know what's going to happen next if they do it if they do a sequel it's going to be the, the born sequel isn't it where you know he's he's in goa and he's running on the beach and they come back to to get madeline i don't know i just i my concern is that it feels and it could be completely I could be completely wrong I hope, hope that I am I hope we do get to see a lot more of Madeline than, than just a uh, a motivator for, for his um, I don't know I want to say revenge or, or whatever because we just seem to have far too much of Bond getting revenge these days I, I hope that we don't basically see a a, a plot device that's already been used quite some time ago
3: totally and- I mean now that Felix is coming back I was nervous that you know oh god now there's two potential motivators for Bond. Bond's revenge in there they could you know go either way and kill both of them if they wanted yeah. yeah which i hope they don't do i hope that they just keep madeline around and I, I'd, I'd actually quite like them to do you know like in um on her magic secret service bond is already yeah. kind of in love with tracy but he goes yeah. to his gloria and he still sleeps around the place and uh goes back and marries tracy at the end and i kind of i'm kind of hoping for something like that with this one like, like an extended it's madeline's extended there
2: bachelor party that goes wrong it's a second act. Of-
3: <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, he I, I, like to I, I think up yeah, for the bachelor
0: party, <laughs> and then he and the he be antenna be- go out.
3: And- <laughs> <laughs> I just think it'd be nice I see a bond a little bit yeah looser with his um, choice of sexual partners maybe because I've never pegged him as like a one woman guy even if he had married Tracy I don't know if he would have stayed completely uh, monogamous with her. So I think that would be, yeah, interesting. But I'm sure she's probably just going to die or something.
1: I hope, I hope that's not the case, Calvin. I really, really, genuinely do because I think it. Um, I, I, I felt that it was throw away to kill, mm. kill off mm. Mathis. I, di- I didn't have a problem with the, 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 the dumpster so much as I had a problem with just the fact that they, they did away with a really great. Mm. actor and a relationship that was starting to have mm. resonance to it and I just hope that what they they do with this is that they they pay some service to the fact that he has this relationship with her even though I, I you know I didn't entirely mm. buy it um that's what they told us Bond is feeling so let's let's actually yeah see that.
2: There's time to build on that relationship in the second film, right? I mean, it's your opinion mm. of Bond and Madeline's relationship in Spectre may change based on what happens mm. in this film, right? Very true. So I, I'd love it if, as you say, Calvin, first act, he's with her, he goes off, they come to some, maybe they even have an argument about the fact that he's going to go off on a mission, even though he's retired, right? And at the end of the movie, mm. he comes He comes back, you know? And that's, mm. you know, it's actually not, it's a wonderful life kind of ending, but Genuinely, just mm-hmm. that's it. Is like that. That's the end of his character as he goes back to her.
1: I would love to see a a, pro- a proper um, arc to his bond. I mean, I know that this is going to be difficult because obviously they want to continue the series and how they would do that with the would they reboot? I don't know. But what I quite like to see is is you know a proper series of films with this this guy, this bond, and and to end his character arc in the same way that they, they spent they spent a long time setting that uh that character arc up which they could have kind of tied in a movie it wouldn't really be doing any service to to the work that craig has put into this and the writing that has gone into this to um to try to do anything i, I like you say you don't want a happy ending necessarily but uh, it would be nice to see hmm. it kind of tied up um,
2: The the fact that Bond is has left active duty at the start of this film means he's retired, right? So, when they do Bond twenty six or whatever it is with a new actor, I think this is the end of a timeline. They're not just going to like recast Mm. and carry on.
1: I hope not. I really hope not. I I would like. I personally would prefer to see if they do even continue it, and that's a conversation for another time. But um, if they do. I, I think it would be smart to.
0: I just had a vision of twenty-one-year-old Henry Cavill waking up in bed that Daniel Craig's vacated, and uh, having Madeline by his side, and just getting up and going on another mission. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: Get, st- getting out of the shower. <laughs> all the Flashbacks <laughs> to
0: his past. He's just. <laughs> he still lives in, on his island in Jamaica, <laughs> and uh, still married to Madeline and everything's all pucker.
1: And she doesn't. She doesn't mention it once that he looks entirely different.
0: Bond, the kitchen sink um, years. It, <laughs> sort of. Your reaction to um, how, I guess, cold and sour Felix and Bond's relationship is, I, I see the same thing in his relationship with Tanner. Like They jostle a little bit on a boat mm. or in a car or something like that and they don't, you know, Fleming describes him as Bond's best friend in the service but you don't get any sense of that in the great mm-hmm. era.
1: Well, I, I mean, I think even in the novels, he doesn't develop that. He just says, "Oh, mm. he's his best friend," and it's just, it's just it's kind of an assumption. Whereas at least with Felix, there is some meat there that you can you can kind of dip into and say, "Yeah, there's, there's a real relationship." All he does with Tanner is occasionally have some some lunch at the cafe, <laughs> just sort
0: of. You know. I'm not asking for a golfing I holiday. Think, Don't worry. <laughs>
1: and and I think despite the fact that Rory Kinnear is. Uh, is a great actor. He's, he's, he's genuinely, uh,
3: very, very good.
1: I've, I've seen him, um, in Othello and he's, uh, he's, he's a very gifted actor. Um, he's not given very much to work with in these films. Um, and I don't really, as, as you said, I don't buy into their relationship.
0: He's inventing it in the little, uh, pieces to camera he does to That's promote right. the film. Uh... <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, but- if I may, I just want to slip some breaking news in, which won't be breaking by the time people listen to this. But um our friend Anders in, you know, who is probably really happy that there's a, there's a, there's, a, there's somebody from Sweden in the cast again. Um David Densick, I don't know if that's how you pronounce his name. Anders has put up his name's his character's name's Waldo, and he's flying out to Jamaica to be and do the filming next week. Waldo. His character's name is Waldo now and he's flying to jamaica to do some filming next week on this i just had a horrible thought what if he's a scientist because then it would be
3: oh, waldo is a very scientist no. name. The question- that's not the name of an mi6 agent the question or, uh, is where's waldo <laughs> huh. uh,
0: i hope they're trolling us really uh, do I, yeah it's quite possible um that and does
2: sound like a purpose and Wade joke that they would just pop up in there yeah. and not even actually do Where's Waldo, but just do everything other than Where's Waldo. Or <laughs> well,
0: it could be Strawberry Fields again. Exactly. Just in the credits. Exactly.
2: Any Swedish, which yeah. means you could probably play Norwegian.
1: Yeah, like McReady
3: and the Thing. I can't <laughs> tell the difference. Yeah, I don't know how to react to that. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, it's It's a choice. Well,
0: I mean, mm-hmm. who cares about the name? Why is he off to Jamaica? Everything's happening in Jamaica today. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that makes the just-so-happens theory more likely, doesn't it, that Bond is like out doing his shopping and <laughs> right. uh, runs into Felix chasing the scientists.
1: <laughs> I, I, I quite like the idea of you know, him running into Pierce Brosnan and him saying, maybe you shouldn't be living here. <laughs> <laughs> oh good reference I haven't heard that in a while uh, I threw that in for Adam Bollard who asked me to put a tap reference in
3: reference so there you go there you go Adam has anyone seen IT I the most uh movie it's Oh, I I don't know how that isn't some kind of like midnight movie that people go to like throw things at the cinema screen uh, for. It's hilarious. There are just scenes of Pierce Brosnan running around his smart home, like screaming at his microwave that's turned on by (laughs) this internet hacker and his Sonos speakers just like playing loud music at 2am. It's fantastic. Uh, I I, I highly recommend it to everyone. I did see see somebody (laughs) leave the
2: poster and just put SH in front of it. (laughs)
3: but shit in an endearing way
2: right
0: oh yeah i love it all right shall we do some ask bond questions so do you think that swan could potentially be accompanying bond for the entire mission or throughout the majority of his mission or some of his mission and will bond be officially working for the cia rather than mi6 given he's retired
1: Hmm. i don't think he can be be officially working for the cia he can
0: yeah, strictly an observer.
1: Yeah. No, very good. Very good, James. Um no, he can't he can't be recruited by them. That's it's not how that works, but then
3: I think that's yeah, I think he will be freelance rather than working for either organization. It'll probably call up his old contacts. A to, freelance troubleshooter. Uh, He'll have to get an accountant
0: yeah, and well, you know, yeah. do invoicing <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. And
3: yeah, I think that's pretty <laughs> much likely. The expense report. Madeline's doing taxes. Madeline's doing expense
2: reports.
3: <laughs> oh, <sorry. laughs> As for whether or not she'll be coming along on the mission, uh, I can't imagine that would happen. Uh, just because they made a real point of her being a pacifist and against, and unless they do something completely different with the character, and even having her tag along, I don't really know what kind of role she would fill if she were to come along. Um, maybe Bond would be, you know, having to pump another woman for information and she's just on the sidelines getting angry about it? or a License to Kill really references know. just keep
2: coming. I, know.
1: I I think what James said earlier about her being, well, it, it ties into what James said and it also ties into what Calvin just said, that she, she is a pacifist and she has re- reacted strongly against uh, what James does and what her father did. And she will, mm. I believe, remain that figure for him that says, you don't have to do this. And I think that James will be torn between his loyalty to his friend um, and, and the um, and the mission and his love for, for Madeleine, I think. And he will have to make a choice. And clearly the choice is going to be uh, to the mission. Um, otherwise it'd be a very boring film.
0: They decide not to go, and instead they go on holiday from Norway. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> I, I, I could watch that, actually.
0: <laughs> but it's all inside.
1: Um, but, yeah, I think But I think that's what she will do. She will basically not give him an ultimatum necessarily, but will just be like, well, you've retired. This is the life that you have now.
0: What do you think Bond's hobby is going to be when he's retired? Is he going to do gardening mm. or learn to play backgammon or
2: golf? Well, there, there, there is there is a little pool at the house. Uh, mm. Water polo.
1: Um, I think it be, I think a set of golf clubs would be pretty good.
3: I think swimming. Like we've seen Craig do a lot of swimming. Casino Royale, Skyfall, spring yeah. to mind. You know, he's got that pool. He's right by the beach. I, I'd be surprised if we didn't see him and it's a famous scene everyone remembers Craig coming out of the sea in Casino Royale so I'd be surprised if they didn't call back to that an opportunity way. for him
1: to not have a shirt on basically yeah.
3: well yes yes exactly it's in Barbara
2: yeah. Broccoli's contract it's Barbara Broccoli puts in the contract doesn't she
1: but I do I do quite like the idea of Batgerman I think that would be a nice little nod
2: mm.
1: I don't I can't really see him I don't know or maybe spearfishing or something like that right yeah, because but, yeah. Fleming Fleming used to dive a lot, yep. um, so that could that could really work. Because in fact, if you think about it, Bond was born out of the water of Jamaica. You know, Fleming mm-hmm. went swimming one day and came out of came out of the water and then went up into the house and started writing. So the decision to do that was made whilst he was in the water. So mm-hmm. and, and 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 throughout the, the, the novels and the short stories. You know, underwater swimming, um, and, and particularly kind of uh, this this tropical underwater world, is a huge part of of, of, of Fleming's uh, Bond. And we and we mm. we have obviously seen Bond underwater in, in for an inordinate amount of time in Thunderball, but none of this kind of the, the tropical element of it, um, or any of that that kind of. That long oh, swim that he does in, in uh, Live and Let Die. I mean, it's, it's – I think maybe also some beach running.
0: Writing his memoirs.
1: Yeah, writing mm-hmm. his memoirs at, at, at his little corner desk.
0: <laughs> so Ana de Arnas is going to be named Paloma. Paloma translates as Spanish for dove. The dove was a predominant figure in For Eyes Only. Will Daniel Craig kick her off a cliff? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Good question. I I, 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 have a feeling the Paloma as the name isn't accidental. Yeah. person and Wade have been. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna base this on like Purvis and Wade did the bulk of the writing and name the characters and the plot and everything, and then other people touched up probably the dialogue and some bits and pieces. So they probably picked that name for a reason. Dove is obviously the symbol for peace, right? So I have a feeling that she has a relationship with the villain and going back to license to kill again because there's, I think so many things that are probably linked with this film, with that film that, you know, on turns or something gets the information out of it. Yeah.
1: I, I, that's I, her I, I mean, that's ball. a, that's a definite possibility, but you've also, you've also got to remember that the dove wasn't the bad guy in a few hours only. It was,
2: um, that's correct. It was, yeah, it's, a, it, yeah.
1: it was, it was a red herring and a dove at the same time. Um, the Christatos used to uh, as a as a bit of a misdirection. So actually, yeah, it's, it is a fish. It's, he do, he doesn't kick um, any dove off a off a cliff uh, at any point. So in fact, he teams up with the
0: dove. just
3: the token. So just,
1: yeah, just the token.
3: <laughs> rather than answer the question you proceeded to just dissect it <laughs> and uh, declare it invalid Well, it's almost um, it's almost composed yeah. of standard yeah. form you know Good like, I like formal, that. formal formal logic
0: but uh, it's a <laughs> non sequitur
2: <laughs> well they've they've done a is b They're, they've done a a leads to b lead, b leads to c therefore a leads to c um, which is not true yeah right? so, sorry but this is this is the way <laughs> We're going to pro- we're going to process all, of this, all these hashtags in first order logic.
3: Spitballing here, but any connection between obviously dove, swan, white birds, girls in Bond's life, anything bonds, there probably not
2: uh, attraction to birds with a mm. wing down, right? In the books, oh, that's
1: an interesting mm. thing, and, mm. and, and in a sense, mm. could tie into the whole. I'm going to I'm going to bring in another animal. The sacrificial lamb. Um, so, is it, is it a, is <laughs> a dove with a wing down? Who's the sacrificial lamb?
0: And a red hair. And a red hair. <laughs> we've got a menagerie of is Bond films any, here. F- <laughs> yeah. Any,
1: any fish, a, any animal metaphors? That
0: we can <laughs> in, I think. The last question is from <laughs> me because I just thought of it. So, based on based on what we know about the film so far, when they do the press call in you know, a year's time or whatever, what will they be saying? Well, this is what we're drawing from Fleming. Because they always call something back to Fleming. What do you think is going to be like the the loosey-goosey plot point that's going to be Fleming attributed?
2: I, I don't think it's going to be a plot point. I think it'll be the whole Bond in Jamaica echoing yeah. Fleming's lifestyle and Purvis and Wade paying tribute to I,
1: I, I agree, James. I think that, I, I, as I said before, there's not a lot now to mine from that and um being that Fleming was writing you know in the 50s and 60s and the world has changed so so radically um that it's difficult to to kind of pull anything from what he is is written and make it relevant today so I think the lifestyle aspect of it makes more sense hmm.
3: I, I don't know if maybe they will pick out a Fleming uh title uh, a chapter title or something whether or not it's named after something from fleming will depend how much they backpedal to try and make out that they were inspired by it all along i'm always really interested in them justifying the title quantum of solace and just getting into very abstract reasonings behind that when it doesn't really have anything to do with the fleming work uh, beyond just sounding interesting well
2: we um we know what the actual working title was of this film which we can't say yet and it was one that they've used before. It's not one that's going to be. Beyond the Ice. i
3: will just be happy with the title. I don't just... have to
0: write a lexicographical gr- article about, because that was kind of yeah. yeah, Beyond the Ice is perfect
2: for Jamaica, so I think
1: that's...
0: Oh, well, that is Beyond. <laughs>
2: yeah. So, Calvin, we didn't get, because you went on yesterday, what were your thoughts about, I know this links to the... Anna de Armas, which, by the way, I'm very quickly forgetting about Eva Green already. Mm. Um, um, what were your thoughts about the casting?
3: Uh, what about the, the, ones the supporting involved? cast?
2: Yeah, the newbies. Oh, no.
3: Yeah, very interested and excited. Uh, much like I mentioned earlier, I think, like, I hadn't actually heard of any of them uh, beforehand, but that I'm more excited because of that. Cause yeah, you can't just like pinhole them into any particular uh, stereotypical role. Uh, I mean, they all look interesting. I mean, I was sort of like frantically IMD being Wikipedia them all afterwards. Uh, so yeah, I'm just very excited by them.
1: Yeah. I, 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 what I did was waited for someone like Calvin to come along. Um, do all the
3: research for me and then tell me about that oh, really? <laughs> uh,
1: I, I, I often sorry this is this is at, sort of apropos of nothing but um, I always find it really annoying when people go let's get back to the dark gritty bond of Fleming and I think what well, the one where he buries a villain in a pile <laughs> of shit um, Thank you uh, yes <laughs> or is it the one where he fights a giant squid? I'm, I'm <laughs> confused. Is that
0: like the dark, gritty Bond you're talking about? The guy in the pits is bad. Both of those right. are uh, sloppy yeah. rather than gritty. <laughs> Just in terms of pure, yeah. pure visceral experience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: No, I completely agree. Because I only came to the books like within the last couple of years, quite shamefully, it took me that long to get around to them. Uh, but, yeah, I was expecting something, yeah, not quite <laughs> Bond-fighting various undersea uh, predators yeah. in several books. He really does do that in quite a few of yeah, them. Yeah, he does. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like, oh, interesting. But the whole,
1: I mean, for, for me, like Doctor No is one of the most surreal books. Um,
3: oh, I love it. It's like, I really, really enjoy oh, it. I, I love
1: it too, don't get me wrong. I think it's fantastic. But when when people, yeah. people talk talk about Dark and Gritty, I just, um, <laughs> I just kind of roll my eyes he, with
2: it.
3: You don't think that Honey Ryder doing like a Disney Princess routine with all of the various wildlife that she's living with, like <laughs> communicating with them and uh, all that? Yeah, it's not gritty enough. No, it's not.
1: It's, I love, I love the fact that she's got like a tra- pet tarantula and uh, yeah, it's, yeah,
3: it's great. All these snakes yeah. that she can communicate with, apparently, and, and rather be eaten
1: by the by the the, the swarm of um, crabs. She sings to them or something, and they they, they kind of.
0: Move around.
3: To, I oh, it's brilliant! Yeah.
0: So there, Disney's yeah. not buying Bond nice, anytime nice, soon, right. then.
3: <laughs>
1: well, there's a that's a that's a question for another uh, podcast, I
0: think. And on that note, shall we wrap it up, guys? Uh, Well, we'll be back next week, hopefully, with a bit more knowledge and sight views, Bond 25 stories, or we might just dip back into the back catalogue. So, either way, send us your questions and comments with the hashtag AskBond on Twitter. And I thank Calvin, James, and as it says here, double O for
3: joining me. Where can people find you on the internet? (laughs) Uh, People can find me on YouTube. If you just uh, search for Calvin Dyson, you'll find my channel.
2: It's been real, guys. Um, I'm. I'm. Thanks for wrapping this up on time because I've got to go to a meeting with Branston because we're launching the the line of Felix Lighter's pickled peppers. <laughs> <Just> in time, <laughs> in, ti- in time, time for one twenty. Uh, yeah. 1 you can
1: find me basically. I just um, write for uh, MI6 and uh, the, the the magazine, and I do have a, a, a Twitter uh, handle, which is uh, at Double Nothing.
0: Okay, all right. Well, we're at mi6hq.com and on Twitter at James Bond Live. You can funnel us information, articles, and uh, general reckons in either of those directions, and we look forward to talking to you next week. Cheers, guys.
3: Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.